on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. We'll start off today's show with some genre-related news. Jeffrey Wright will be starring as Batman in the HBO Max comedic podcast, Batman The Audio Adventures. The show is due to premiere later this year. This isn't Wright's only connection to the DC Comics character. He's also playing Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon in Matt Reeves' upcoming film, The Batman. The SpaceX SN9 Starship prototype crashed last week during a test flight. The craft ascended to its target altitude of 6.5 miles, executed a horizontal flip maneuver as it would during an operational re-entry into planetary atmosphere. But the vehicle failed to decelerate sufficiently or become horizontal for landing. SpaceX principal integration engineer John Insbrucker said, Again, we've got to work on that landing a little bit. But the test yielded some good data and, despite the crash, achieved the primary objective of demonstrating control of the vehicle in the subsonic re-entry. The next Starship prototype, the SN10, is already on the pad and ready for pre-launch testing. SpaceX is developing Starship to take people and payloads to the Moon, Mars, and other distant destinations. The rapid building and testing of prototypes is key to getting Starship up and running in the relatively near future. A new trailer debuted during the Super Bowl for Disney Plus series The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You can view the trailer on one of the Fantastic Forum social media platforms. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier premieres March 19th on Disney Plus. It was announced this week that actress and former MMA fighter Gina Carano will no longer appear on the Disney Plus series The Mandalorian or in any other Star Wars related projects. This after Lucasfilm determined, and I quote, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable, unquote. Carano has also been dropped as a client by talent agency UTA, in the wake of the scandal that has erupted. And some sad news this week as American cartoonist, illustrator, and painter S. Clay Wilson passed away on February 7th. Wilson was a member of the Will Eisner Hall of Fame and a central figure in the underground comics movement. He was 79. Today, we're back to talking about comics, specifically the special events miniseries and crossovers. I'll introduce the panel. Joining me are Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, and Julian Lytle. Welcome to the show, fellas. Thanks hey. for having me. All right. Glad to so, be here. So today, I thought we would finally get to a topic that keeps getting, it's like that proverbial can, 
that keeps getting kicked down the road. I'm talking about comic book, big comic book events. And not just the crossover variety. I'm talking about, although it could be crossover, but I'm talking about when they do the crossovers and they'll have the limited series that is, uh, you know, the, the, the individual titles. Stuff like House of M or Secret Invasion or uh, Civil War or something like that. Because these things uh, in the past uh, 20 years or so have kind of taken over the comics industry, uh, I thought we might talk about that. And, of course, part of it is they tend to be lucrative. It is a business, and people are interested in selling comic books. And I think that there are definitely issues in terms of comics readership because it tends to be older people now who read comics uh, maybe you don't have the same point of entry with younger people getting into it uh, but the bottom line is the publishers are looking for ways to attract purchasers and these events seem to be a good way to do it in addition to giving fans what they want I don't know I mean some of these big events where you see big fights or, you know, there's something really unusual. I mean, I'm thinking about, um, what was that one that DC had uh, where uh, Batman got zapped by the uh, Omega uh, Force? Final Crisis. Final yeah, Crisis, that's, yes. That's they're all, time. they're okay. all crises now <laughs> from DC yeah. ever since yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. They've just, it's a crisis they've recycled. Anyway, so I'm curious about what you guys think about all this. Um, you know, I I think uh, I do like events certain, at a certain point, but I can see that over time they have lost some of their effectiveness. Yeah. Um, I like a good crisis, but not all crises are uh, made the same. And uh, on the Marvel end, uh, it's you know it's hit or miss. You know some. Some of their best writers who are good for um, their series, when they get a, when they get picked to do an event, doesn't always work out well. And the same could be said for DC. And then you have like Independence or like the other ones like The Valiants and back when Image and the different books. You know, I used to have a soft spot for Wildstorm events back in the day. You know, now they're DC, so that's, that's, it's all part of DC <laughs> at this point. But you know, that was some of my. My bread and butter was Wildstorm events. Uh, I, but, I feel you, man. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh, why. <laughs> yeah, y'all was crapping so marvelous. I was, <laughs> I was finally got to find these books. Uh, hey. But you know, um, I don't know how well they work now. I agree. And I think that's what they're figuring out as they as we're in a weird flux state of what sells and what doesn't. And what what the business model is going to be, but man, the two thousands might have been event event heaven, because all like the biggest ones that get turned into movies. Yeah, I would I would roll back the uh, the the odometer on that a few, a few more years. I mean, I'd go back to eighty five because that's really when you saw Secret Wars and Christ on Infinite Earths rolling out, yeah. and and both of those were done from more of a creative need than a business need, I think. I, I, I like to think. And that, yeah, they wanted to sell comic books, but 
DC's goal was really originally to do a timeline of the DC universe and make sense of all these things that had come up through like 1938 up to 1985 and make something that was sort of coherent. And so it became this big event story. They were going to kill off characters. They're going to kill off worlds. They're going to have one timeline left at the end of it. And, and that's basically what they did. Um, and on the, on the Marvel side, you know, secret wars is really taking all these heroes and villains and, you know, taking them off the board for a while and in the meantime, you have this 12-issue maxi-series going on, telling you all the things that happened to them while they were gone. So, like, you see Peter Parker, Spider-Man, comes back with a black suit. Uh, the Hulk comes back with a broken leg. She-Hulk is now a member of the Fantastic Four, and Ben Grimm is gone. And, and all these things are happening, you're like, what the heck actually happened out there? And this, this you know, maxi-series is telling you how it goes and all that. So that's really kind of the origin of the the big maxi series crossover event that we understand as we understand it today. I mean, there were, there are things that happened before that, like you know the um, Avengers Defenders War and JSA meeting the JLA. But but really the the normalizing of the big crossover. I think you go back to Crisis on Infinite Earths and yeah. Secret Wars the original. And the thing is that Crisis on the Infinite Earths, uh, which by the way I just got the absolute edition. It's uh, still holds up. It's actually it's a fantastic story. It's well told. It has stakes. It has a beginning, a middle, and end. It has uh, consequences. Uh, you feel stakes on the story, and mm -hmm. I that's one thing that is missing in terms of the, a lot of the modern co crossovers. It's like it, you can almost feel the cynicism on them uh, in terms that the stakes are not there because you don't feel like there's going. I'm not saying changing anything. It feels like they just doing them because of a cash grab, which if, it's understandable. It's a business. Yeah, there, there may not be consequences, is what you're saying. But it's not only the consequences. It's just I feel like the storytelling has gotten more sloppy. I'll give you an example of what I consider to be a, uh, an older um, crossover that I really like, which is Final Night. It's a very simple idea that you can say in one sentence. What happens to superheroes when the sun goes up? And the consequence of that, literally just having the sun just go down and people having to uh, fight this that is unstoppable. And I really like the simplicity of the concept. And it's a story that has a beginning and a middle at the end. And I feel that a lot of the modern crossovers have gone a, way more convoluted. Um, Anything that's created by Grant Morrison that's a crossover tends to get really nuts and convoluted and it's really hard to understand. And now we're getting to what I call the cynical crossover where they might just be doing them just to keep the rights of certain characters. I feel, for example, that what Marvel is doing with Heroes Reborn is so they can polish the Malibu characters so they can keep the rights of the characters a, little, a bit more so they can basically still enforce the trademarks on them. That's, Wait, the Malibu characters? The Malibu, you know, it's the it's just the Squad of Supreme. Yeah, yeah, it's the Squad of Supreme. It's like it's basically their 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 version of the JLA. Yes, yeah, but just, they, just, they need to polish them so they can keep the trademarks. So it's still they a, use them all the time. Like it's they, not like they, yeah, they use them pretty often. There was a Hyperion book a couple of years ago, and the Squad of Supreme has been showing up recently, like led by Coulson, I think. Yeah, they. Yep. Wait, so they, they so Heroes Reborn. Often. This is different from when. 
like that Heroes Reborn that they did a few years back. It's the 25th yeah. anniversary of that. So wow, they're using that. the name yeah. as, a, as, as a selling yeah. point to do um, a new Avengers event. I'm right. 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 So yeah, because well, it happened and, in 1996. And, it's yeah, and, and the idea... And the idea is that some one of the one of the Avengers becomes the new host of the Phoenix and changes things retroactively so the Avengers never existed. Like Tony Stark never created the Iron Man armor, Thor never became the God of Thunder, or or never recovered that part of a, his identity. Apparently, yeah, he doesn't really uh, care. Captain, Cap, Captain America was never found in the ice. You know, all these things never happened. So the Squadron Supreme is now the world's premier superhero group and they fight villains like Dr. Juggernaut and the Black Skull and the Silver what do they call her? Silver, Silver Witch. Witch. Yeah. So it's like Dr. Doom with the Crimson Gem of Sidorak and Hulk is a rival to Hyperion which this whole timeline is weird to me because if there's no Avengers there should still be a Fantastic Four Spider-Man and Hulk but there's still a Hulk because they all happened before the Avengers but I digress. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an Avengers event. It's going to tie into Jason Aaron's Avengers run. It's a it's the first four issues are going to be weekly. So, like that, Roberto, I'll give you. I think they're doing that to keep the trademark on Heroes Reborn. Yeah. Not really, because there's yeah. nothing in regards to Malibu connected to this at this point. It's right. literally all no, Marvel characters. No Prime Mantra, Night Nightman, Sludge. Moon, we ain't getting none of that, man. Man, none, <laughs> none of those. None of those. Hmm. Ain't getting none of them people from that cartoon. Yeah, and wow. that comic book. All right, so cartoons, so this is this is a this a heroes are born thing. This is an upcoming event they're going to yeah, be doing. Yeah, it's, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming in the spring, oh. so May. Ah, so the around the, the time the, that's pre comic book day and supposedly Black Widow. Comes out with you. <laughs> the very latest <laughs> of these events. Yeah. Good gracious, man. Yeah. I, you know, I, I kind of want to pick up on something that Roberto said before, though, and that's that you know the fact that these these events keep coming out and there's more and more and more of them, and it seems like we go from one event to the next event to the next event. Like we're we're in the middle in Marvel, they're they're still doing King and Black. Then they're going to mm -hmm. roll into um you know this Heroes Reborn thing. It's like there's there's event fatigue, as Julian suggested before. And there's also the fact that these things come so fast that, you know, people get burned out and they don't and they don't ultimately matter. Thank you. Know? you. And they, that's the thing. It's like it feels like editorial saying, you know what? We know better than the creators. And I, I will get why management would say that. And we basically are going to completely take over the direction of the of the characters that you're writing. And I feel that takes a lot of creativity from individual writers and individual books because all of a sudden you have a favorite character that starts behaving in a different way once you see him on the uh, on the multi-part crossover. And not only that, they will kill him or do something like that. It's like, why am I? Are they doing this? Why would I be invested on the regular books when you're basically telling me that it doesn't matter? Well, Roberto, from the, from the inside, I can tell you, I think it's a little different than that in that it's it, it seems to me it's more like one creator on one book has an idea for a big story he wants to tell in his book. And all of a sudden, everybody else wants to play too. And so editorial gets in and all these offices coordinate. And it's like all of a sudden, an Avenger story then becomes 
a how do we rope in the Fantastic Four and the X Men and the Hulk and Ghost Rider and all these other characters that were not part of the story originally, and that's how I think a lot of these things spin out of control. Is that you know one one good idea that would have been a, a story in one or two issues of a book suddenly becomes a mega event. Yep, and that's the thing. It's like, do we need this? Because there's only so many issues you can do of a book, and there's so so much you can push a storyline. Because I feel like. You are stifling creativity specifically by not letting individual creators follow through with their ideas. And you ram these storylines down their throats that they have to stop what they're doing, follow this big event, uh, damn all the torpedoes. And it's like, it's, it's that good idea specifically in terms of keeping the, the characters fresh, in terms of trying new concepts and new ideas. Because it feels like more editorial taking over that decision-making process than the writers. Hmm. Am I wrong? You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by... Roberto Ortiz, Julian Lytle, and Drew Bittner. And we're talking about comics events. I'm talking about those miniseries that they will come out with once or twice a year, the tie-ins to the various other books. As we've been talking a little bit about this, I've been thinking about some of the events that over time... And actually, I don't know, the the, the ones that came to mind for me uh, that... Um, that kind of stand out that I've enjoyed. I don't know if these are actually events, but you remember uh, 52 from DC? And yes. yeah, it's, I did it's, too. And it's a maxi series. It's not technically. An event. <laughs> yeah. But you it know. came after an event. It was a, you know, Infinite Crisis was the event. This was like the fallout of that story that yeah. they were able to set up a lot of things. Well, that, it, it was it was using something like Drew was talking about earlier in regards to the way the original Secret Wars was told, whereas in the titles you see the characters in the Marvel book they go into like a dome, and then the next issue and everybody's different. They in, after Infinite Crisis, DC did one year later where it skipped ahead a year, and everything was different, and you were supposed to read the weekly comic fifty two. Which also was the first. It was. It's kind of event because it was the first time, of some like one of the companies did a weekly superhero comic. If you, you don't count um, the Superman Triangle era, but um, and it was a good story. It it was great, but it had it had five writers. Yeah. So you know, and a and a and a good team of artists. So yeah, yeah. It was it was it was the top writers too. It wasn't even like, you mm. know, it was Morrison, Rucker, Johns, Wade. And um, I, I'm missing his name, but he did the five years later of uh, of Legion. Um, I love what they did with. He worked on it because he he thumbnailed every single issue. And I like basically the fact that the story had consequences. I like the fact that you were staring a story that had a conclusion that I didn't feel insulted at the end. I like the fact that they took secondary characters and they made them the principles of the story. And that the story was leading to something. And it felt like an event that was driven by story and not by sales. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, I think I, Keith I Giffen is who Keith, you were thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's basically the the fifth writer of yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. that book because he did the layout. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. I still think it was it was sales involved because it was the deal. It's just the fact that all the DC top writers was working together to really make a really good story. They were on a really good run. It's like yeah. when you watch a good sports team. Morrison was knocking it out of the park. Johns was killing it with Green Lantern and Flash and JSA. Rucker was killing it in all his different books. He was, yeah, they was all they was all working well, picking out these characters they like and getting to extrapolate on also other things they were doing in their other titles and to lead up into these places where they already set. Like you know, uh, you would read all the titles and be like, yo, I don't even know how they got here. But you know that, like, by the time you get to the end of fifty-two, you understand where they were at at the beginning of the one year later stuff. So that was a very, very solid story. But it was also kind of, you know, that was a period when in which the deal was was pressed about making Crisis on Infinite Earths into this like a trilogy, like you know, sequelizing it, like movie franchise. So it was yeah. Infinite Crisis, and then you mm-hmm. you get up to the final Crisis, and you had fifty-two. And you had countdown, which wasn't popping. That being said, my final crisis. Ah, oh, love it. I love <laughs> it like cake. I love it like air. You remember those backup stories that they had there? That uh, you, was it, Secret Origins, origins yeah, and History of the DC Universe? Yeah, I even like that stuff. I mean, it was difficult for me to buy into a weekly comic because comics are supposed to come out once a month. So. You know, give it, but but you give me good stuff every week, you know, which is part of the reason that I mentioned 52 because there were so many main characters and so much going on, and it was such a wonderful collaborative effort. And I, I gotta believe that it was successful in terms of the overall goal of selling these comics. You know, they yeah. were DC was doing weekly comics for a while after that, we still yeah. do them, and then Marvel stole the editor and they made Spider Man do it, yeah. So, it was, it was, it was really successful because Countdown was next, which wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And Trinity was all right; it was kind of forgettable, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But then they did like, you know, they took a break, and then they came back with like DC's Future End and Batman and Robin Eternal, and like they they still pop them. They'll still pop out a weekly series out of the blue. Now they they kind of do the digital stuff, so they don't have to do it like print, but. You know, Marvel, this, this Heroes Reborn is going to be weekly. Mm. So, yeah, like it's it's it changed it. It changed a lot of things. There was there was some real real effects after because mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. did do great. It yeah, was... but I feel like we used to basically endure these things like once a year. Been reading here online uh, a listing of all the crossovers that DC is is done and. It's insane that they're doing multiple crossovers like this in a in a single year, instead of being something special that only happened like once a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about right now is an event. Like those are like scheduling pockets versus, let's say, um, like Marvel right now. They literally had the Cross of Swords and the King in Black. And a couple other things at the same time that are technically actual crossover events. Yeah. Well, futures were like the the big DC event that everyone tied into was death metal. So like future state is dealing with the fact that 
they had changes within their structure and they still needed to get out books. So they brought in new talent to do more work. And with that, they did all these things that was being worked on and they didn't throw it out. They used it for this two month period to get themselves back on a regular schedule and to remember the 2021 because also the pandemic, everything changed. So Marvel chose to stop putting out books in furlough and DC continued to put out books and pay people. For the big two, they have like a winter thing. They have a early part of the year thing and then they have their big summer it can start in like late summer or early summer. Like this Heroes Reborn thing, I have a. It's probably going to be like their big major event of the year because it's going to actually use everything. But something like King and Black started out of like basically the Spider-Man comics and spread into everything else. But the question is, a good fall winter event. Well, do you feel like this takes away a little bit from comic books in general? But they built like. I don't read it, but from what I'm hearing, the way in which they built the stuff within Venom and that Silver Surfer Black and a couple of other books to lead to this point was like, oh, this is where the symbiotes come from. And maybe it does warrant a bigger than average story if this person, I think Donnie Cates, is going to tell this story of, you know, the ruler of the symbiotes. And, you know, because there's so much stuff that happens with the symbiotes, right? Like, who would have thought that a random costume that, again, started back in the Secret Wars in 85? Yeah. The black costume would then lead into one of their most popular modern characters of all time hmm. to leading to this. Like, you would have thought the suit was just always a suit. No, it becomes a character. That character becomes one of the mm-hmm. most popular Spider-Man villains. His own thing. He gets his own movie. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, like I could like I get it. You know, like you know, you build up to it. You let a writer build up to a point where it's like, yo, I want to tell this big story. He sold enough books. He done made enough people buy titles that they weren't really buying. Yo, give him a go. Let me get the rock. Hmm. Hey, so uh, that musical cue means that we have reached the end of the first segment of the show. Of course, WERA is a community radio station. Among other things, that means that we rely on the ongoing support of our listeners as well as our underwriters and our program sponsors. Find out how you can support the Institution of Community Radio, Community Media, by visiting the website at WERA.FM or the website of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org. So we're going to step aside momentarily while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of those underwriters and sponsors. We're also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other wonderful offerings of WERA. But stick around, don't touch that dial because... Roberto and Julian and Drew and I will be right back right after this.
And we're back on Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle, Roberto Ortiz, and Drew Bittner. We've been talking a little bit about the events, crossovers of comic book, lore, history, uh, and their place in lore and history. <laughs> so, uh, Julian, you had just gotten done talking about the surprising... Uh, debut of the symbiote uh, Venom in Secret Wars and how this thing turned out to be a lot more perhaps than what was initially expected and uh, Roberto there was something that you were throwing in there and uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was but I want to give you the opportunity to complete the thought well that I feel that there's a place specifically for this kind of stories, but I feel that it takes a little bit in terms of the... Since a lot of these uh, events interrupt storylines, and I feel like it takes away from the direction that the, the writer was intending the book to go and I know basically it's part for the course for any comic book writer to expect anticipate that events are going to hit you but I I feel like we keep make, having so many of them during the year and they keep interrupting storylines that um, it takes a lot away specifically in terms of independence of, of writers to be able to tell their own story that's my take um, I'll tell you, I agree completely. I think that um, crossover events can be great things. I think that they've been overused, and I think they become disruptive. I think that um, you know these writers and, and artists want to get on a flow, and the problem is that they are told out of the blue, you know, oh, you're going to be doing a great big Avengers story. And like, but but I don't write Avengers. I write you know, Fantastic Four, or I'm writing an X book, and why do I have to be dragged in the middle? And and yet, it's like that's what the line is doing. And so, you know, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of really good books get sucked into this whirlpool, and a lot of them have a hard time recovering. Honestly, I think there's been some changes changes into the way events are published. And I can say, I'll only say this because I'm only reading, let's say, one big two company, but I still look at all the solicits. It seems like right now, instead of interrupting the actual run of the title, they just make a like a standalone issue. So, like, um, I think with the King and Black, they'll have like a King and Black Eboro Hulk number one or whatever. Because A, number one sell. But it also doesn't really break into the actual Immortal Hulk run. And the same has been happening, let's say, with Death Metal. Like, Superman was still coming out as Superman. It wasn't like a Death Metal issue of Superman. Uh, but Superman was in Death Metal. At that point, you had to figure out, like, I don't know when all this happened. But for those who just read Superman Action Comics and didn't read Death Metal... Uh, there was no stopping whatever story Bendis was writing. But it's also Brian Michael Bendis. 
So he also was able to be like, I'm going to sit this out. Just let me know what the fallout is. I guess I'll make it work after. But um, I, I think a lot of a lot of that's been happening in the last few years. Instead of actually like, like there was a period like Civil War was the worst because I actually made it a goal to buy every single Civil War issue, and Ooh. like, <laughs> like you had to find. Hey man, I was in my twenties and I was into it. I was like, I'm I'm going to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yo, when you're twenty, you ain't got no wife and kids or whatever and you don't got nothing but time and even though you actually kind of broke you just gonna buy these books you didn't you back in that's what i'm saying like yeah the 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 mid 80s started it the 90s became this thing where it kind of focused into like the family the family line of events so like the x-men events became a big deal you didn't really care about like a whole marvel event you just cared about what was the big x-men event or like the Clone Saga, or you know, the death of Superman. It was like a, a a little centered one was more what you cared about in the '90s. But the 2000s, when the big event came in with all these extra issues, and you just like, yo, know, Civil War was like the biggest culprit. Marvel got really bad. They had that. They had a uh, Secret Invasion. Then they had like uh, whatever. Yeah, Secret Invasion was bad. I mean, the um, crossovers behind that. Were yeah. just ridiculous, and whatever they had were going to like when the well the bad guys took over because Norman Osborn became the hero, and mm. it, that mm-hmm. led to the siege. And it's just like, bruh, then it was a joint when like Odin's brother came back and he was the snake or something. Oh yeah, had the yeah. hammers, and then like everybody, all these people got hammers, and they had to go get special weapons. Yo, they was killing me. Yeah, they but you know. Me. Oliver Copiel had some really great art on those, the those main issues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly Yo. on the main issues. Him yeah, and Jim Chung. Yeah. That was some good stuff. Issues, yeah. Yo, it's the other ones. You'd be like, oh man, what do you mean? You got the editors note. This joint is in uh, Winter Soldier number four. I'm like, oh, that's some BS. I gotta mm-hmm. get this Winter Soldier number. And then no, nothing that happened into it. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, when you read Christ on Infinite Earth, and now they can sell it like as the whole thing. And it's just like the Red Sky books. Nothing happens in the comic except, you know, how it connects to Crisis? On page 18, skies <laughs> turn red. It's like, oh, this is old, you know what I'm saying? Like now, they just sell Crisis by itself. But yeah, finding yeah. out, like, all this, like, oh, in yeah. these panels, the monitor appears and says, come with me. <laughs> All right, but that's before it was like marketed this way. People had to like, oh, they had to go back and figure out, say, oh, they were setting this up. You yeah, mm-hmm. and then you can follow the adventures of Captain Adam in Crisis on Earth number seven. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? you weren't you weren't feeling exactly like you got took. Yeah, even yeah. though you got took, <laughs> but yeah. you didn't feel like that. Two thousand eight, you getting you getting you getting swindled to yeah. the point where I do think that it changed it changed up. A lot. The other the other thing was that a lot of these minis and crossover events were really, you know, backdoor pilots for brand new books to be springboarded. Yes. You know, yeah, like yes. like like Bloodlines became a springboard for Hitman. Uh, Hitman. And um, what was it? Uh, oh God, that that um, there's the event in the in the eighties that led to the formation of the brand new Justice League. Legends. Love it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Love it, love it. Hey, hey, what, what was that one? 
What was that one where um, Wonder Woman snapped Max Lord's neck? That was in one of those. That was the lead series, up wasn't it? to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis. It was that the was lead the up book. to it. Remember, okay. there was countdown to Infinite Crisis, and then there was the four titles that led into Infinite Crisis. Mm. And Infinite Crisis, fifty-two, one year later, countdown to Final Crisis, Final Crisis. And which did after that it was the lead up into um and and guys uh like it's opinion, night. that book has one of the best comic book fights i have ever seen in my life which is what the lead up to infinite crisis no the fight between um wonder woman versus superman where oh when saw, superman yeah. was uh controlled yeah. yeah but the thing is that you saw wonder woman barely being able to keep up with Superman who was trying to kill her. And it's it's it it reads really well because you can tell that Wonder Woman is giving it her best to fight Superman and it's it's a nasty uh it's one of the most brutal superhero fights I've ever seen. It's very well read. Well Superman was controlled, bear in mind. I mean I, I yeah I maintain that Wonder Woman would probably beat him one-on-one -on -one if it was just regular Superman. I mean, Superman controlled by Max Lord, uh, excised from his morality, and well, you know, wait, he wasn't controlled. He was Max Lord was making making him see Wonder Woman as like Doomsday, and then like he had him thought that like Lois was like hurt. Yeah. So he was yeah. going. So he's seeing Doomsday. So he's going. Yeah, he's Doomsday going hard. fight. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh, and that's why, like, you know, she had to throw the tiara to, to stop him throat. and then <laughs> grab him and just break his neck because he was like, oh, I got to get Clark out of this scene. Yeah. You're, going too, you're going too far. It was yeah. part of the whole, like, it was the OMAC project. It yeah, was, I was um, getting ready to ask, didn't didn't Checkmate spring out of that stuff too? Yeah, all, all this stuff yeah. sprang out, out of Infinite Crisis. So, yeah, okay. the lead up to mm -hmm. Infinite Crisis, Infinite Crisis, and then post Infinite Crisis, with the one year later was like checkmate. Was, see, that was the Rucker branch, yeah, of of things. So like, yeah, he was writing Wonder Woman, and he did the little thing with Superman because before they already set up that like Max Lord was was now a heel, and he killed Tech Core, and nobody could find Tech Core. Right. And then yeah. Batman found out like, yo, you took over my my satellite. And Brother Eye. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. took over. He made Brother Eye because you know he was on his like I'm paranoid. And then all these things was happening, and then Max Lord, Max Lord's plans lead to all this, and at the same time, everything going chaos with magic, and that's how you get the um, shoot, what was their name? That was a great comic. It had like, uh, it had Detective Chimp and and all in <laughs> yeah. there, and oh, the Chantress. Yeah, damn. It had it was Omac Project, Ranthanagar War, Villains United, and Day Avengers, Fire Comics. Yes. Lead up, fire comics. And I, Identity Crisis has some icky issues. I don't oh, I don't even yeah. think that's it's just a mini series yeah. that was but so really well. Yeah, they didn't cross that, that over with a bunch no, of no, stuff. But Identity Crisis has one of the best all snap moments in comics, where you find out that they have messed with Batman's mind. Remember that? Yeah. I remember people reading that comic book saying, "Oh my god." Because the consequences of somebody like Batman being told, yeah, we, we erase your memory. 
you, like, you that know, was, they, they, that was the explanation to say this is why modern Batman is paranoid. Yeah, but see, what what got me more about that was, I mean, I didn't feel it was like that oh snap moment like you did, Roberto, because it what made sense was I remember at the end of whatever adventure that was, Superman and Batman cut out. It's like Luthor is yeah bye, yeah the Joker is yeah yeah bye, you know. But then they had with Batman, well, but because it was Sue, I came back. And he comes in just as they're doing their thing with Dr. Light. And they get Satana to mess with Batman, too. And I, I was like, but wait, the Joker was cutting up. I understand you feel a certain way about Sue, but you shouldn't have come back. <laughs> that was just, I just thought that was really unlikely. So, I mean, I understand they had to do that because the crux of it was we want to mess with Batman and have him have his memory messed up. But I always that, took that, that that he came back after he dealt with Joker. Well, it took them an awful long time to do all that stuff. You know, either well, that would, or I he dealt with Joker really of, fast. I would hope that a conversation about messing with a person's brain would, would actually take like a, a good deal of time. I would hope. Yeah. I mean, I thought they came to the decision rather quickly, <laughs> actually. But, you know, but you're right. Time passes. The panels, remember, in, in between the panels, time happened. That's what made comics special. But that was a good, that, that was a good, oh, my God, moment. It's like, I, I like the fact that in that story, the decision had a consequence. And that the consequences were organic. That, yes, somebody like Batman will have an issue with somebody messing with his head. Uh, he will have a big issue about that, huge actually, and it's 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 good storytelling when you basically have a a, a drama a, a heel like that. It doesn't feel like it's it's pushed by corporate. It feels like a like an organic decision, and that's the problem I have with some of the modern uh, crossovers where I want more organic storytelling like that, but. Um, well, wait, wait, wait. Hold, hold that thought. I got a question I want to ask you. But first, I need to remind everybody that you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia, and streaming online via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz and Julian Lytle. We are talking about the big time comics events and uh so uh with that identity crisis thing i was unsure of the chronology of all that i mean the closest i could kind of come because you know based on satana's costume it wasn't the top hat and the you know shears and all that did dc ultimately suggest that that was part of the reason or the reason that batman left to form the outsiders I don't know because they, they said it within the um, satellite era, right? So they were just saying that that still happened. I personally, the way I read it, is that I think they were trying to make a reason why this is why Batman's always been paranoid around the other superheroes at a certain point because he wasn't always paranoid, right? And then he's paranoid. It's one like it got it got kind of like bootleg was just like oh yeah after crisis he became paranoid. So they just made a story where it's like, this is why he had this other thing in the back of his head on like, why he can't completely trust the other heroes because in the back of his head he know his head been messed with. Yeah, I like that. But um, I want to bring a, a storyline that kind of bothered me. 
from Marvel this time, uh, Civil War, where I felt during that storyline, um, who was the guy who wrote that story? My God. Mark Miller. Yeah, Mark Miller likes to basically make a lot of noise. Uh, and well, I, and he, he, had, he fundamentally misinterpreted the Marvel characters with that story, but that's, I think part of that's because he's not American. You know, yep. and that was a big problem having him be writing that. But uh, I tell you what, um, c complete your thought, Roberto. I also want to throw out there, and I'm glad you're talking about Civil War, because uh, in the time that we have left, I'd kind of like to talk about uh, maybe some of our favorite events or some of our not so favorite events or ones that we thought worked well or didn't. And so you segue in into what you're talking about with Civil War seems like a perfect way to start that. So please carry on. It basically, he made conflict by misunderstanding the characterization of the characters. Yeah, Tony Thank you. Act, act, acting a certain way that was not in sync of how the character had been presented up to that moment. He had Captain America acting a completely different way. I, it bothered me that in this, uh, Mark Millar is the worst offender of this. He will write all these major art stories with a core mischaracterization of, of, of a character. And that's how he made his career, by grinding kind of like a, let's make the most cynical interpretation of this character and go that way. I think there's some validity to that. He's, he's, he's a very cynical writer in a lot of ways. He's, he's a very dark writer, and he tends to put the characters through, sometimes through absolute hell. If you look at his stuff in, in Authority, um, it's, it's very, it's, it's very bleak and it's, it's sort of, it's sort of cynic, somewhere between cynical and nihilistic. And, um, and I can understand the appeal of trying to do that, but there are certain characters that it just does not suit. And so, so yeah, I, I get what you're going for, Roberto. And the problem is that you put a guy, okay, I can see him doing a book, but you put him in, in, in charge of a major line event like Civil War that will basically help a movie has been based on that storyline in terms of how important that story is supposed to be to the line and i had a problem specifically in terms of the his interpretation of the character the characterization of them and it's like he's good as an idea man but in terms of characterization geez man no stop i don't know like i personally had issues with the story but clearly at that point in time Yo, he was wildly popular. Yes, he, he was. sold a yeah. lot of comics. I was and, getting ready to say that, like, and 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 that's the that's like the equalizer. They'll let you do whatever you want because you're selling books. Like I didn't actually have problems with his Captain America. I had a problem with his outlook on the United States because it was a very European, very UK outlook of it, without paying attention to what Tony Blair was doing at the same time and that's the issue because it also had this weird thing like all Americans are stupid because they just believe Bush in the war on terror I was like yeah nah like none of the black characters should be acting this way because you're not black and you don't know how blacks in America react to anything going on um, so like certain things with like the death of black Goliath I, I guess for me in terms of since it was such a huge event and it tied into other books. You could just go also read like Bendis' New Avenger comics, which was also kind of helped fleshing out each of the characters' size and viewpoints. Because that was 
those two were basically the the main guys at Marvel at the time, and they were selling all the books. So I'm not a I'm not that big of a fan of Civil War, and I would say that his story hasn't aged well by the fact that the movie has nothing to do with anything that happens in that comic book. Exactly. At, at all. But it's a comic book of its time. And I think sometimes that, that overtakes the timelessness of a story. Like, uh, but in the end, you know, I, like the Ultimates was, you know, the Ultimates was selling books. Ultimate X-Men was selling books. Um, yeah, a lot of that Ultimate Universe stuff. Ultimate and I'm glad Fire, you mentioned. FF was doing. Yo, he was yeah. putting up mm-hmm. numbers. Yeah. Numbers. Yeah. Well, but I'm glad you mentioned the Ultimates, because that was the one thing that I was going to say about uh, Mark Millar. I mean, you give him the right stuff to write. I mean, I had no issue with what he wrote with the Ultimates. But, yeah. you know, you put him on the mainstream, like, Marvel Earth 616, and it's like, wait a second, you know, let's 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 stop and, and think about this. But there again, is your goal to sell books? Is it to tell good stories? The goal has always been to sell books and pretty much anything they have to do to sell books. It, you know, it, as long as you're getting the sales, I think the publishers feel the sales justify whatever they've done to get them. The, the DC events have stood out for me a little bit more than the Marvel events have. Uh, Death of Superman to a lesser degree. I wasn't as crazy about that because I knew Superman had to had to come back. And, uh, and I preferred the death of Superman, really, to the return of Superman, even though, you know, you kind of can't have one story without the other. But, uh, but I'm curious as to uh, some of the... Some of the big crossover events or events or, you know, what have you, uh, that uh, you guys have been particularly moved by or interested in or that have made some kind of impression on you uh, in a memorable way. No Man's Land. I loved it. Uh, I really Batman. Liked, yes, I like that. Uh, I really like the storyline. I like the consequences. I like that was... The universe building they did in terms of how they thought about that was very well to the point that Nolan basically stole the big concept of that storyline and used it in one yeah, of the Oh yeah, that third movie. He sure did. Yeah, he was part of it. He didn't steal it, but yeah. he was part of it. So that that No Man's Land, uh Final Night I said before and the original uh that I read now and then uh Crisis on the Infinite Earths. I really that's the book I'm going to use to introduce Jonathan to DC Comics because that's the book that got me hooked on DC Comics. That good. Like, there, there was some good stuff in there, I have to admit. There was some really good stuff. I mean, some really heroic moments. Mm-hmm. All right, you kind of you kind of doubled up because you had just said, talking about the secret, uh, sorry, um, Civil War. So um, I'm curious about uh, Julian and Drew. Let's Drew go. Okay. <laughs> I talk a lot. Oh, I want you to get in. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Um, I'd I'd probably go back to things like Crisis and Secret Wars because these were big experiments. They were creative efforts. They had, you know, things they wanted to do with the characters that I thought would maybe have some lasting impact. And and some things that came out of these things endured. You know, some of these things continued for a while, and they were important stories. 
<clears throat> I'd, I'd say the ones that I don't like are the more modern ones, the, fr- the ones that are frankly forgettable. But if you ran down the list, you'd be kind of hard-pressed to say, like, what came out of that? What actually happened in that story? Because there's so many of them, and they pile on each other so quickly and so fast. But, I mean, there's there's good stuff in a lot of them. There's good stuff in, like, say, Avengers Disassembled, which led to House of M. I mean, you can find some good storytelling even in things like the Clone Saga, the, the Spider-Man mega arc that, you know, pulled in a bunch of stories you know, during its run. There's probably some worthwhile storytelling in just about any of these, but I'm I'm less and less thrilled with the ones that are just obviously an attempt to prop up sales or launch a new book. And that's where a lot of these things come down for me. Okay. Julian? And Julian, it looks like you're going to take us out. <laughs> so I guess for me, the, the two ones that really set something for me is like, you go with the classics, the original Secret Wars and, and classic, and I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Those are great. I love them. Got got the big book. But modern-wise, again, Final Crisis by Graham Morrison and a bunch of different artists because it was a payoff for all the stuff he's been telling since, like, JLA. Like, at that point, like, all the Morrison DC comics leads up to Final Crisis. It's incredible. I love it. Superman saves everything with creating stuff you know getting better thematic and the other one is 2015 secret wars because hickman again just like morrison going all the way back to his uh secret warriors and shield was telling one story even when he wrote the ultimates even when he wrote the new ultimates the fantastic four the future foundation all that stuff led up that Secret Wars comic is incredible, and basically, it's just Crisis on Infinite Earths with Marvel characters, the Marvel Marvel characterization. It's amazing. To me, those are the best ones because it's like ten-year-long stories. And I can't think of a better way to be able to end the show because, of course, that musical cue means that we have reached the end of this episode. And I'd like to thank to thank my panelists and you two for having tuned in. Of course. Fantastic Forum is also a television show, and you can check your local listings or visit the website at fantasticforum.tv. We've got complete episodes broken out. We've got segments, everything from the discussion to interviews to toy and game profiles to uh, special events, uh, event coverage, you name it, we've got it. Also, if you miss any portion of the show on its first run on Saturdays, the show re-airs each and every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. right here on WERA. And, of course, we want you to come back again next week, same bat time, same bat station. In the meantime, stay safe. Have a wonderful weekend, people.